Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today I am joined by avid reader and bookstagrammer, Jordan Moblo, who you may know from his handle, Jordy's Book Club. Today, we talk all things reading. So get ready, get your TBR out. But before we get to that, let's do a little housekeeping. All right, here it is, your weekly reminder. Everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. There is a link there that will take you to all the books discussed today, as well as the social media accounts for the stacks and our guests. Plus, if you shop through the links on Amazon, you're helping to keep the stacks free. If you're looking for an amazing book recommendation, send us an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. Myself and my guest will read it on air, discuss it, and then give you a personalized book recommendation or five. So email askingthestacks at gmail.com with your name, what you're looking for, and maybe a few titles you've loved or hated. If you like the stacks and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. First of all, join us over on Patreon. That's a website where you support the work we're doing and earn perks for yourself. We've got a virtual book club, we got inside access to the show, and we have an amazing community of other readers who love the podcast. So head over to patreon.com slash the stacks to join in. The last thing you can do to help the show is definitely the easiest. Subscribe to the stacks wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review and tell your friends and family about the show. It goes a really long way to helping us reach new audiences. All right, now it's time for my conversation with Jordan Moblo. All right, you guys, I'm so excited. Today we are joined by Jordan Moblo, who you might know as Jordy's Book Club from Instagram. He also has a day job in TV and book acquisitions. Jordan, welcome Hi. to the Stacks. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> I'm the most excited because I'm popping your podcast cherry. Yes, you're the first. I'm the first. Hopefully not no the pressure. last. <laughs> I hope this is good for you. Um, okay, so basically just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you kind of like became a book lover maybe. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm originally from Michigan. I grew up in a suburb in Detroit. Uh, and I've been a book lover growing up. My, my mom was a seventh grade teacher and growing up, we weren't actually allowed to watch TV. Um, and my mom took us to the library every Monday and my sister and I would just bring back stacks of books. And it's just something that's kind of carried with me like through life. Oh my gosh. And was your mom your seventh grade teacher? No. Okay. Cause no. I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, no. 
She was like, no, thanks. She was like, no, thank you. No, I deal with you enough at home. I don't need to deal with you at school. Was she good at, or is she good at recommending books to you? Yes. So it's funny. My sister and I are still big readers, obviously me. Um, and my mom is as well. And we actually share a Kindle account and I send her books. <laughs> and I think that she's never been happier than me being involved in bookstagram now because I get to send her so many books so that she wouldn't stuff. normally read. That's yeah. so cool. And your sister is a big reader. And you guys all read the same type of stuff. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Because I feel like in a lot of families, people read really different from their partner or yeah. their sister or whoever. We seem to have very similar tastes. And sometimes we actually end up expanding the things we would read that I wouldn't normally read. Like I wouldn't have normally read Three Women by Lisa Tadeo this summer, except my mom texted me and was like, drop what you're doing and read this. And like, that's the best kind of recommendation. It's always the best if you can get it from like someone yeah. that you know and you trust. Um, okay. So I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about what it means to work in TV and book acquisition. So kind of like, what is your job? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause so, it's such an LA job and I, I feel like people in LA are like, duh, TV and book acquisitions, but everywhere else is like, are those words? <laughs> So I kind of have what I think is a dream job, which is I get to read for a living pretty much. And it's it's my job to find books or articles, podcasts, theater, and anything that we think might be right for a TV adaptation or to turn into a TV series. You know, you read something and you're like, I can't wait to see the movie or the TV version of this. Like, that's my job. I'm the first stop in getting that done. Oh, my God. And so that literally came out of your love of reading. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I was able to build a lot of relationships in the last year and network with a lot of people partially because of Bookstagram and the book community. And as a result, it kind of led me into this job where I get to do this for a living now. That is so awesome. Yeah. And you love it. Love. I sit at my desk and read books all day. Like, So you have to go into the office to read books? <laughs> yes. Like you can't just like be like, I'm working from home today and I'm going to read. I actually get more work done when I call in sick or if I'm like on a plane Right. When I'm in the office is when I get the least amount of work done, probably. I, I do my worst reading when I sit upright. Oh, really? I, I got to be reclined in some way. No. I got to be chair, like comfy chair, bed, something. My second favorite hobby behind reading is napping. And if okay. I'm reclined in any way, like okay. I'm not so reading. So you can read at your desk. I literally, and even when I'm home, I sit at our kitchen table at like the most uncomfortable chair. Ugh. like. And that's how I read. For You're like hurting hours my heart. Time. I'm I'm truly like your heart and my chiropractor's heart. <laughs> <laughs> I need like I need some sort no. of cushion, some sort of. But I do fall asleep when I read a yeah. lot. I do. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. No, no, there's not. And I, I'm not at work, so I don't feel bad. Right. I mean, I guess I kind of am if it's for the podcast. But I have a really comfortable chair at work, and if I sit in it, I will fall asleep. Do you have a standing desk? Yes. Can you do standing reading? I don't really try. I haven't really tried it. I feel like that would be a lot. It's asking a lot. I think <laughs> I feel like that would be like it's, really a you've lot. You've swung too far. Well, I don't know. I feel like sitting at a desk and reading is like pretty intense. And so I thought maybe you could be like standing desk intense. I think that's too intense okay. even for me. If you try it, please let me know. <laughs> please back. I'm sure I'll post about it. <laughs> yes. We'll be like, I tried standing desk and it was a nightmare Fail. or it was amazing. And I just changed your life. Right. <laughs> let me know. About how many books are you reading in a month? So I I tend to read between 15 and 30 books a month. And how many of those 15 and 30 are, I just want to read this book versus I'm like reading this book for work or is it all the same? Everything you read is potential. It's, it's a hard mix and it's one of the harder parts of my job to 
because I want to read those things that everyone is posting about or the New York Times is reviewing. And so often those books aren't available for TV because there is a shelf life for books that goes way beyond when you see it in a Barnes and Noble or a bookstore where agents and publishers are sending it around in manuscript form. And we're talking about those books a year, two years in advance. So if you know, you see something coming out on a Tuesday, that's probably been read and dissected or option for TV potentially six months to a year in advance. Right. So when I pick things to read, it's a big mix of things that are coming out next year or the following year that you won't see me post about for a while, as well as the next greatest thing that everyone loves on bookstagram. Like after the flood is one of my favorite books of the year. And I really had to like find time to read it because it's been optioned already. It's going Got to be it. a TV show. So you were like, this isn't really helpful for work. I call it my vacation pile. In okay. Quotes. Okay. Got it. How slash why did you start your bookstagram account? We went on, it's funny. We went on vacation last year and I brought a ton of books with me. We were just gone for a long time and I was like, I'm just going to read a lot. I'm going to be really productive. And I read a ton and I was seeing all my friends post pictures of like drinking on the beach and having this great time. And I was like, well, I was really productive and I want to post about how boring and nerdy I am. And so I started looking for pictures of the books I had read and lo and behold, there's this giant community of people who are reading and posting about books every day. Um, and I think that's how my account started. It was partially like I was obsessed with everyone's beautiful photography. And then part of me was like, well, if I'm reading all of these books, I want people to know that I'm reading them and maybe want recommendations. And that right. was kind of the origin of how it started. Okay. You can be honest here. Are you like me when someone goes on, like a friend of yours goes on Facebook and puts up like a general post that's like, what should I read? And you, do you get mad that they didn't just go to you directly? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I, I get mad. Like if I see someone that I know in real life who like goes on their Facebook and is like, I'm going on vacation. What book should I read? I'm like, why don't you just come to me? Because you know, I've read everything. If I get annoyed at anything, it's when like, I will get a friend or someone who will randomly message me and be like, I need a recommendation. And you're like, there are 200 book reviews on my bookstagram. That's like, please just also. take a moment. Just like, take a moment and scroll through. That's and also, also like true. a post. Thanks for liking something. Yeah. <laughs> also like and comment while yeah. you're at it. Please share. I, I appreciate uh, your engagement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Because you are one of the few, not few, you are one of the accounts that I love most that does write full reviews and also takes gorgeous pictures. Thank you. Your pictures are insane. And we're going to link to all of Jordan's stuff in in the show notes, you guys can see his bookstagram and everything. But how how much time do you spend on your page? A lot. Um, but I think you have to remember part of it is my job. So right. uh, I spend a lot of time on it because I'm looking at books. I'm looking to see what people are reading and reviewing and enjoying. Like I saw a lot of people had been reviewing Gideon the Ninth, which is like Amazon's top fantasy book of the year. And if I had just read it, the synopsis, I would never have picked it up. Right. And after seeing reviews, I was like, what is this? Where do I get it? And how do I read it? So I, I spend a lot of time doing that kind of thing. And I also never thought that I would enjoy the photography part of it. And it's actually like extremely creatively fulfilling for me. So I laugh when I see people who are like, who has the time to do that? And I get it, but I actually make time for it because right. for me now, I consider it a hobby and something that like, relaxes me and is enjoyable. And I spend time thinking about layouts. And, you know, the other day I Googled brick paver layouts because they're the most similar thing to Mm. like the spines of books. And I was looking for like design interests and examples. 
I love that. It's weird. I'm a weirdo now. We're in the middle of a home renovation, so I've been dealing a lot with tile layout. Yeah. So I'm like very into this idea. Do you feel like, well, what did you think that you would do with your life before you got into being a book guy professionally? Like, did you have other creative aspirations? Is this feeling like a creative part of you that you always had? Yeah. I Look, I mean, I've, I've always been involved in entertainment and TV and books specifically has probably been the last couple of years in my life with regards to professional uh, aspirations. But I think that this for sure has fulfilled a giant creative hole that was missing in my life. And I've been very lucky enough to let that bleed into my professional life as well. Yeah. It's so, well, your page is so gorgeous. <laughs> um, for people who want creative, who want successful, that's an air quote, yes. book, book accounts, bookstagram accounts, what do you tell them? Like what, what are your tips for, for making not just successful, but also like a space that that they like, like yeah. a, cultivating a space that's good for them. I, it's funny because I have so many people who are like, how do I get followers? How do I get free books? Right. And you're like, I, I didn't like start the page for those reasons. Right. I started it because I loved reading and I love the community. And I think that if you're starting a book page or you're new to it, the number one thing is like, what do you want to get out of it? Um, and I think for me, it was meeting people, finding new books, reading and writing recommendations. I think if um, you are looking to, you know, build a following or become bigger in the space. The number one piece of advice I can give is being authentic and being yourself and having something to say and having a specific point of view. So you're not like, hi, it's sunny out. And you know, I'm reading a book today. Like, what are you reading today? Like I, I take a point of giving a little bit about my life. I am very honest in my reviews without being negative. I know that just because a book isn't for me doesn't mean it won't be for other people. Um, and I think that goes a long way. And I think that's been really helpful in building my audience. And how do you handle a book if you didn't like it? Uh, if I don't like a book, I normally don't review it. I'm happy to feature it and post about it. But I, I think for me, life's too short to post negative reviews about mm. books. And there are so many authors in the space. And just because an author writes one bad book doesn't mean they don't have a lot of good books in them. And for me, I would rather focus on the things that I'm really enjoying and that are bringing positivity to me in my life rather than focus on the things that like I hate it. Right. It's just easier for me to feature that book in some capacity and not review it and let other people who enjoyed it bring a spotlight to I why see. they liked it. So if you, if you review a book, that's something that you liked or have found value in in some way versus if you just like post about a book and maybe you just feature it in a, in a flat lay or something yeah. that might just be a book that wasn't for you. Yeah, exactly. I think that, look, I, I get a lot of criticism lately, especially lately where people are like, are you, you're only advertising for publishers and you're only reviewing books that you like and you're inauthentic. And that's, that's not the case just because I don't have negative things to say about right. books doesn't mean that I'm a shill for publishers. I just would rather spend time supporting books rather than bringing them down. Right. Like I'm on the other side. I write negative reviews, but I review <laughs> everything that I read. So if I finish a book, I'll review it. And so that's just like, those are the rules that yeah. I set up for myself. And I think that people sometimes don't understand that we all kind of have our own different like rules in which we guide our account by, yeah. you know, and it's like, for me, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to finish it, I'm going to take the time to read it. I'll give you my thoughts. I also try not my negative reviews. I try to be very, constructive yeah. and very specific. Like this is what I didn't like and this is what didn't work for me. Um, because I personally, I find a lot of value in reading other people's negative reviews, but that doesn't mean that I need a negative review from everybody. You know, like I don't, I don't 
look, I also don't trust everyone's reviews anyways, which I think is something that's also worth saying is like some people's reviews, they just have different tastes than me. And I think like all of that is part of the space when it comes to bookstagram. And even when you're reading a review in the New York Times, like it depends on who wrote the review. If I'm going to be like, yes, exactly. Correct. This is, this sounds like my kind of book. I look, I have a lot of friends who write negative reviews and they're very honest and they're funny and they're awesome. Yeah. I'm just not, first of all, I'm not a writer full time. So right. it, writing a review is tough. Like it's it takes so time hard. and it sounds terrible, but those posts do terribly. Like re- it's well known in bookstagram review posts do terribly. So it, it just happens that the things that are the most difficult posts for me to write and take pictures of are the ones that I'm least creatively fulfilled right. by our review posts. So exactly. if I'm going to take the time to do it, I want to do it with something that I really like and feel passionate about. I mean, for a while I did something where it was like, I didn't like this but you should read this instead. Oh, like, well, I didn't like this, read this instead. Um, so I still do that sometimes, but for the most part, I am reading so many things and there are so many books that I'm behind on reviewing yeah. that I would rather focus on the things that I'm passionate about. I respect it. I really like it. I like that you have a point of view on how you approach your page. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, you also have a book club. Yes, I have a couple of book clubs. Talk about actually. them. Pitch them. <laughs> um, all right, so we have... Throw Book Club, okay. which I host with my friend Jamie uh, at Beauty and the Book. And we use that to spotlight backlist books, anything that came out prior to 2019 or next month prior to 2020. Um, and that's been really fun to feature those books because I think a lot of the time we kind of get caught up in the publisher rat race of the bright, shiny new things that we all want. And sometimes you know, a good book is a good book is a good book. I love a backlist Exactly. Um, and then our newest one is Mystery Book Club, which I host with my friend Carrie at Boston Book Fanatic. And that one has been really fun in the sense that uh, I've grown a following now, which I'm very grateful for. And I like the idea that people have to trust that the book that we are going to choose mm-hmm. will be something amazing and exciting that they should get involved in. So we hosted our first one last month where people, if they want to be part of the book club, they have to enter without knowing anything about the book. Um, this one was Anyone by Charles Sewell, who wrote The Oracle Year. Um, it comes out December 3rd. And we have you know, some great books lined up for 2020 that we're really excited about. And uh, yeah, that one's been really fun. And then your name is Jordy's Book Club. Is yeah. there just a Jordy's Book Club? Like a Jordy's Book Club book? I mean, I have an in real person in real life book club with uh several friends but it's not like Jordy's book club okay. i think that that was just just the name you came up it with. was available got it <laughs> i just was curious because i was like i don't think i've ever seen an actual Jordy's book club post but then i was like maybe i'm missing something i mean i'm very passionate about the books that i like like i think that everyone knows how passionate i was about miracle creek yes. and the hashtag Jordy made me do it came you made me do miracle creek we did on the show exactly and so, angie kim what a dream the best is she not the most delightful human the the meanest person ever, right? Yeah, she's terrible. And if that's not coming across <laughs> in the podcast, she's the nicest. She's the nicest. She's probably listening. <laughs> I hope so. Hi, Angie. Um, but yeah, like the books that I've loved this year, I have really made a point of saying like, this is a Jordy's book club, like big book. Wanders by Chuck Wendig was another one. Um, I think Fleischman's in Trouble was one of them. We have a couple more probably this year. I feel year. like Recursion was something that I associate with you. Recursion. Is that right? Love Recursion. The, like whatever. It's definitely going to end up probably top 10 of the year. Got so. it. 
I read his first book, did not love, or not, not his first book. I read Dark Matter, did not love, but it's also like so not in my wheelhouse yeah. that I was like, I'm going to read this book because it was when I first got on Bookstagram and like everyone was so right. into it. And I read it and I was like, mm, no thanks. Like Bookstagram does work. I was like, I don't, I don't think I need this. And so I decided not to do recursion because I, I'm of the mind. I, I really don't want to pick something up that I think that I'm not going to like. Yeah. Like I, it, it's really got to be, I really have to go in hopeful. I think when you have so many books in front of you to pick from that it's hard to pick up something that you just like, this isn't my thing. I'm not going to enjoy this. And you really have to force yourself to do it. I love Blake Crouch books because I always feel like an idiot for like the first 50 pages (laughs) or so where they're like explaining science. And then there's like that moment where things click into place and you're like, I am the smartest person in my living room today. (laughs) You're like, hashtag very scientific. Like, I get it. And the dog looks at me like, you're a loser. The dog's like, and, I figured this yeah. out once ago. Oh my God, I love it. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we're going to move on because I want to get to so many book 
questions from our questionnaire. But before we do, yes. this is something we do on um, all the episodes. It's called Ask the Stacks. So someone has written in, they're looking for book recommendations. I have not told you about this at all. So I'm springing this on you, but I think you're going to do good. And okay. I didn't know this about your mom, but this is kind of perfect. So this question comes from Brett. I need help with my mom. She likes reading, but our tastes are sort of different. She recently read and loved Where the Crawdads Sing, The Great Alone, and Becoming. What is a book I can get for her that will engage her but isn't an obvious choice? Something she can use to impress her book club. Okay. Obvious choice. Well, I don't know. You know. <laughs> okay, Brett. Okay. I came up with some. I think some of them might be obvious, but I don't really care. So I'm going to give you my three and then we'll let Jordan go. So my first one is the most obvious. It's Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. She's a therapist. Um, it's her memoir about going to therapy and being a therapist. And I think it's great. I think it's very, it brings up a lot. So if your mom wanted to do it in her book club, there would be a lot to talk about. Um, the next one is A Backlist, A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khalid Hosseini. Ooh. Love that book. My mom actually recommended it to me, um, as well as The Kite Runner, but it's a great, it's a great novel. It's about mother, daughter. Um, actually, Brett, I don't know if you're a, a, a male or a female or somewhere in between, but I'm giving you a mother-daughter suggestion. And then the last one is Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close by Jonathan Saffron Foer. It's about a boy post 9-11, like immediately after 9-11, dealing with, um, dealing with that. I'm not going to give anything away, but it's kind of a different book that is backlist that was really popular when it came out. And I feel like people kind of have forgotten about it. So I'm going to throw it back out into the zeitgeist. Um, All right, your turn. Oh gosh. You could on do one or two or however many. I think that, and I mentioned it earlier, I think after the flood is a really great choice because I think it's not obvious in the sense that it's kind of post-apocalyptic genre, but at the core, it's a story about a mother who will literally go to the ends of the earth to find her daughter in a world where climate change has caused the oceans to rise and people live off of boats and the tops of mountains now. And she is missing her daughter and she goes on a ship and tries to track her down. And it's beautiful and scary and funny. And it's, it was such a surprise to me. And I think if I had to pick a backlist one that wouldn't be obvious, I read the Madeline Miller's, uh, the son of Achilles this summer. That oh, was, uh, a take on the story of Achilles and Greek mythology. She oh, does, yes, I do. <laughs> she does great um, reinterpretations of Greek mythology. She did Circe last year. Yeah. And I think Son of Achilles is just another great story about the sacrifices parents make for their children and a really interesting take on a story that most of us know. Amazing. Um, okay, Brett, if you give those books to your mom and she reads them, let us know. And for those of you who want recommendations, email askingthestacks at gmail.com. Okay, Jordy, we're going to go to the questionnaire. We always start here. Two books you love, one book you hate. You don't have to tell us the book you hate because I know you don't hate <laughs> books, but I have to ask you because I ask everyone yes. that. <laughs> Two books I love like this year you can general. You can inter all of these questions are up for your interpretation. Oh. Some people do all time. Some people just do things that are on top of mind. Um, I'll do two books this year. Maybe I'll do two unconventional picks. So the okay. first one was Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson that okay. just came out last month, uh, which the cover, if you've seen it, is a little boy in shorts and he's on fire. It's like a little cartoon image. Don't oh, get yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and I was avoiding reading it because the premise is this woman moves down to her ex-best friend's house, um, to her giant mansion, and she's asked to be the governess for her friend's stepchildren. Said stepchildren, instead of having emotional fits, 
they spontaneously combust instead and start set themselves <laughs> on fire, um, which sounds quirky and kind of like out there as a premise, but it is one of the best books I've read this year and super emotional and explores these themes of friendship and feminism and classism. And it was just such an unexpected surprise. And it's one of those books that I like sat there like and read the whole thing in one sitting. Um, and then I think the other one that I really loved this year was um, the book, the nonfiction book, She Said by Jody Cantor and Megan Twoge, um, the two New York Times reporters who helped break the Harvey Weinstein story. Um, and I know a lot of the coverage has gone to Ronan Farrow's book also, but for me, I really loved She Said because it was so interesting as much as you think you know the story about how this whole thing came about seeing the behind the scenes of how these reporters were able to get these women mm -hmm. on board and tell their story and decide to go public with it is one of the most thrilling and emotional things I've read this year. And I could not put it down. I started like a Saturday morning and like Saturday night, like I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm crying. Oh like it's so good. And I've had some of my best book conversations in real life and on bookstagram with people with this book. I remember when you posted your first like review about this, I was like, Oh, I have to pick it up. Yes. Jordy made me do it. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to it yet. Did you read the Ronan Farrow? I did. Did you like it? I really, really like the Ronan Farrow. The Ronan Farrow book is just a different <laughs> story. And I was talking to my friend Christine about it and she put it into a really good perspective for me where I thought it was a lot more about Ronan and breaking the story. Mm -hmm. And she was like, that's what this book was though. This was a book about, what goes on behind the scenes in journalism and right. big business trying to stop these kinds of stories. And once I put it in that perspective, you can really learn to enjoy it as this kind of espionage right. thriller. They're kind of circling the same topic, but yeah. they're really different entry points into that, into the Harvey Weinstein. The Ronan story. Farrow is much more about journalism. And she said is much more about the story of these women and right. what went on behind the scenes to really build the case against him. There was a two part episode a little bit back when the book came out on the daily yeah. where they had them. And I thought it was super interesting hearing them talk about, I, I like have such a rush on both of them. They're like, they're amazing. So. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Michael Barbar <laughs> from the daily. Um, okay. What's the last just, Hands down, great book you read. So I just finished, speaking of backlist, I just finished Jonathan Franzen's Freedom. Mm, you loved it? I loved it. We're going to have to fight about this. Like, <laughs> and here's the horrible thing, and don't judge me, I've never read a Jonathan Franzen book before. Like, I never either. Just so intimidated by them, and I finally was like, I'm going to read one. And I had Freedom, and I was like, I'm reading Freedom. And I had a long plane flight and I just started it and I really, really liked it. You did. Yeah. Oh my God. I read the book right when it came out because Oprah told me to. Oprah, <laughs> Oprah made, made me do Oprah it. Oprah has made me do things I don't like. Same. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Oprah, like, I really love you, but a lot of your book taste has made me not love you anymore, <laughs> which is why I have not read the Ta-Nehisi Coates yet. I just, I, I just feel like I'm oh. not going to like it, like based on what I know about my taste and yeah. I, and I love his other stuff. And so I'm scared to read it. And I just, I, I don't know. I have it. It's so beautiful. It's it does so seem a little intimidating. I just don't think I'm going to like it. Yeah. Sorry. I, anyways, but Oprah made me do Jonathan Franzen when it came out and I read the whole book going, well, when something happened and I just didn't like it. See, I, lo I love the books that are like, when is something going to happen? Like the slice of life, like this We're is just the story. When it comes yeah. to fiction, I, I love a good slice of life, multi-generational <laughs> family story. Yeah. And I think there were just so many relevant themes. I think there's a really relevant theme right now about women taking back power and what does sexuality and desire look like at a certain age. And the story of Patty and like who she is and how she came to be who she is, 
is I think so powerful, especially in like this Me Too era we're going through. He was ahead of his time on this one. I probably by accident. <laughs> he probably just like stumbled into the story and right. he's like, I'm a Me Too activist. <laughs> um, okay, what are you currently reading? And can you read like lots of books at once? I do read lots of books at once. I'm probably reading four to five books at one time. And then what generally happens is something comes to the forefront that I'm really enjoying mm. and everything else kind of takes like a little bit of a backseat. Um, so right now, obviously, it's still nonfiction November. Um, but when you guys are listening, it's January. Oh, sorry. <laughs> They're going to be like, it's okay. Don't worry. It's really my first podcast. No, no, no. No one cares. Um, I am reading uh, Chanel Miller's book right now, Know My Name. Oh, are you liking I just started. it? Uh, I'm still kind of early into okay. it, but she is an excellent writer and her story is very powerful. And it's definitely a case of bookstagram made me do it where everyone's like, what's taking you so long? Please read this. <laughs> um, so that's my weekend read right now that okay. I'm really getting into. So. Okay. And then what are some books that you're looking forward to reading? And maybe since you do get books like in advance, maybe yeah. you could tell us some things that are coming on the horizon in 2020. I mean, the one I'm most <laughs> looking forward to probably right now is American Dirt by Jeanine Cummins, mm. which comes out in January, which is supposed to be phenomenal. Okay. Um, I'm really looking forward to Jennifer Hillier who wrote Jar of Hearts a few years ago. She has a new book out coming. It's called Little Secrets. I have a soft spot for thrillers and genre and domestic okay. suspense books. Um, and that one is at the top of my list. Uh, what else? I really need to read Trust Exercise still, uh, especially now that it won the National Book yeah, Award. I like have it sitting there on like this pile of like, you need to really do this. You need to read. I think we all have that pile. Yes. What else am I looking forward to? I read a great book by Janelle Brown, who wrote a book a couple years ago called Watch Me Disappear. And she has a new one coming out in April called Pretty Things, uh, which is a really interesting story about um, female cons who are trying to one-up each other um, in Lake Tahoe, which I love that people should start putting on their lists. Um, I'm a huge fan of Attica Locke. Mm. Bluebird Bluebird was one of my favorite books a couple years ago. And she has a new one out called Heaven My Home. That yeah have sitting in my vacation pile again. Okay. Um, so those are some of my, my one, my books that I'm really excited about that I want to get to, but obviously check out my page. I have lots of like features now starting to come out about what's coming out next year. So. Right. How do you do if as books, come, as you read books, do you review them or do you try to review them closer to their release date? Cause you get to read books in advance. I think that it just depends. If I really love something, I'll definitely make a point of starting to feature it and talk about it. But I think that it helps in it. It helps an author. It helps a publisher to post something closer to the publication date. Right. Um, so if, if someone is sending me a book early on, I want to be able to return the favor and help them right. how I can. And generally that means posting review later on. But Mystery Book Club is a great example of me trying to hype a book where I read I read our first book, Anyone, you know, a few months ago. And I've been pushing awareness Got and it. how much I love that for the past few months. So, right, right, I mean, right. It just depends. Just depends. Yeah. Um, and – how do you get your book recommendations? Like if who is the person that says, Jordan, you need to read this book and you're like, put everything down and you'll pick it up. I have a few people, like professionally, I have a few people in my life that I trust that mm -hmm. I, as soon as they say, you have to read this, you're like, okay, I'll read that. Um, a lot of it is bookstagram made me do it where if I just keep seeing the same pictures and reading reviews from people that I trust, then of course I'll do that. I think the New York Times book review is great. Not because of the, not because of, the books, because normally I've read a lot of the books in there, but they do a good job of featuring books I wouldn't normally read. Yeah. So I think that they're very good at expanding. expanding. Yeah. That's good. All right. You read a ton. Yes. 15 to 30 books a month or so on average. 
Do you have reading goals? I kind of like, that seems, it, it seems like a lot to have to like try and hit a number. Um, it I doesn't read, have to be a number. I read 115 books last year and my goal was to read more than that, okay. which I surpassed a while ago. Um, but no, I don't really have a goal. I do feel like a sense of like, like failure or like, I'm not like being productive if I don't hit a certain threshold each month with like, I try to hit at least 10 and I always hit that. I normally am reading at least three to five a week. So oh gosh. yeah, that's so many, but it's not like there's many people on bookstagram who read many more than me. Yeah. My goal for 2019 was a hundred and as of recording, I'm at 94. Ooh, so I'm close. You're going to do it. I'm going to do Oh, I'm going to do it because I'm too close to fail now. <laughs> I think that on my Goodreads, I think I'm at almost 140 and counting things that start to come out in the next couple of years or things that aren't even on Goodreads yet, I'm probably at close to like 211. Oh my gosh. Okay. Are there things that you wish were different about your reading life? Because I think people would probably hear you saying 211 books and think, oh my God, his yeah. reading is perfect and he's so no. amazing. He spends all this time. But like, what are things you might want to change I, about your My reading? job is to read. So right. unfortunately, it means I have to read things very quickly mm. um, and just get a, a lot of times I have to get a sense of whether a book is something that we like or that we think would be right for TV or that is my taste. So I think that I fall into this trap sometimes of reading too quickly and not really getting a good appreciation for a book that I'd like to. I think Freedom is a great example of a book that like, you're like, I'm going to skim this and get through it really quickly. And Jonathan Franz is like, no, you're not. You're going to sit <laughs> here and you're going to read slowly and get an understanding right. of that. So I think if I could change anything, it would be, I would love to be able to slow down and really enjoy a book and take the time to think about it afterwards. Um, and Bookstagram is part of that too, where people are just trying to devour things quickly and be ahead of the curve. Um, and then, I wish I could like be like you and read like laying down or at an mm. incline or <laughs> in a more relaxed position. Like, <laughs> right, right. Do you ever, does it ever happen that you've read a book and you think professionally, like, I, I don't think this would be a good TV show or whatever. And then it comes out and you're like, holy shit, this show's amazing. Like, it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. Like, just because it, it's so like taste specific. Yeah. It'll happen. And I think that like, good, look, at the end of the day, sometimes bad books make great TV shows and vice versa. A good book can make a bad TV show or someone can really screw it up. Yeah. So um, it, if I if I got upset every time a book that I didn't like made it onto TV and was successful, I think that I would have a, an <laughs> ulcer from being so stressed about that kind of thing. We were just talking about this on a, on a recent episode about how I, I personally think bad books or books that I don't like often make better film and TV because it allows room for improvement and for someone else's voice and point yeah. of view to come in and kind of like change it and make it say something. Whereas if the book is just like flat out amazing, like perfect, it, there's only letdown. Well, and I think you've probably lowered <laughs> your expectations a little bit too. And you're like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's way better. <laughs> the book was horrible. This is way better. Um <laughs> Great point. But I like your point too. <laughs> but I just feel like, like yeah. for example, the book that I used was Black Klansman. I uh -huh. thought it was just fine. But I thought the movie like really had a strong point of view and was like really, really, really good. Yeah. And I think that's because it, there was space for Spike Lee, who's also a genius, to come in and be like, let me actually make a really clear point here. And I also think it's really – I think it's hard to translate a book to screen because you have to remember you have to dramatize the things that are going on in people's heads. So right. sometimes – you're getting the thoughts of people versus the actual actions happening. Mm. So when someone is able to portray that on screen, you're getting a different type right. of experience. Totally. Okay. Well, we talked about how you do read. 
is how you read for work the same, like physically, like how you're set up. Is that the same way as when you read like a just for Jordy book? I read like however I read. It's yeah. normally like I'm sitting in a chair, Always. I'm sitting at a table. I have like I normally have coffee, like, and that's how I read everywhere, even on vacation. Well, I mean, it depends where we're on vacation. Like if you're in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Are you like I'm, sitting up no, in the pool? You're like sometimes, table. but probably I'm laying in a beach chair and I'm falling asleep every oh, 30 minutes and then waking up and reading another 100 pages. <laughs> like, do you have a favorite bookstore? <laughs> um, I live like next door to Book Soup. Oh, okay. So just by proximity, it's my favorite, That's and it has parking in the back. Which, if you live in Los Angeles, you know that parking it does. Is, oh yeah, there's a parking lot. Are you kidding me? No, I've only been casually going there for like 70 years, and I back. didn't know. Yeah. So it wins just based on that alone. It's in the back? Yeah. Okay, I'm going there later today <laughs> just to park. I'm just going to go to Book Soup to, to park. park. Yeah, and then leave and I'm going to go in. Um, what's the last book that you purchased? Actually, it was last night. I purchased Getting the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Oh, okay. Because I could not wait to get it and they had it at Book Soup. Um, and then I also purchased a copy of Steph Cha's book, Your, Your House Will Pay. I'm Which sitting is right there. So good. Have you read it already? Love. Okay, it's it's on my it's December for me. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait because I also am obsessed with the Ellie riots. It's it's a great look at that time period and also the consequences and what has what it's it's the catalyst for the story about right. a Korean American family and an African American family and it is beautiful and is like one of the best endings to a book I've read this year. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! And, oh my God. and I have to say, like, look, I get a lot of free books as a result of bookstagram and my job where the publishers send me a lot of things right. and I'm very lucky and fortunate in that sense. But I also take the time to actually go to in independent bookstores and buy books and show support for authors as well, especially the books I like. Yeah. So I think that that's an important thing to say. That's Make sure awesome. that the audience gets it. That's awesome. What's the last book that made you laugh? Uh, I just finished Ali Wong's book mm. and I listened to it on audio tape, which I do all of my like humor essays on audio tape. Oh, you do? Yeah. And she's the best. She makes me laugh so hard. I was not, I never even knew about her. Have you seen any of her specials? I've not. I also hate comedy, Oh, which is so I hate weird. laughing. <laughs> I, I love laughing. I love humor. Like yeah. I love like the office, but I do not like stand up comedy. Oh. It gives me anxiety. I don't I don't like the pressure of like waiting for the joke to land. Like oh, I just I hate it. I hate it. She's like my favorite and her first special baby cobra on is on Netflix and it's awesome. Okay. I don't know. If you ever feel like dabbling again. I might. There's a few that I like, but it's so rare that I can relax enough to like yeah. watch one. What's the last book that made you cry? I think it would probably be she said. Okay. I just think that the the story is so beautiful and moving and emotional and the ending, and I don't want to spoil it for people, is just like this culmination of this story and this book, and it's incredible. And that I was like a mess after that book. Last book where you felt like you learned a lot. So this is hilarious. I read this book last week called Drive Through Dreams by this author, Adam Chandler, and it's okay. about like the history of fast food restaurants pretty Ooh. much and like how they came to be and how they've changed the world since then. And it was fascinating. It's like one of those books where I finish it and I'm like, I don't know a lot about one thing, but I know a little bit about a lot of things. Right. And that's that perfect book where I'm going to take like those tidbits into right. like the holidays. Yeah. And lots so of like, things. <laughs> I was like to talk to your family I'm very about. smart. <laughs> <laughs> that totally sounds like my kind of book. Um, what's a book that brings you joy? 
So I think a book that brings me joy is anything that I will reread or read again, which isn't that many. And I have read The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern mm. probably three times. It's just one of those, like, it's another one of those books that you're kind of like just living in this world. Not too much happens, but it's beautifully written. It's super descriptive. It's very romantic. And it's just one of my favorite books that anytime I talk about it or read about it, it is like, it makes me so happy. I love that. Okay. Are there any books where you feel proud to have read? I think these are probably big books because the big books are the ones that are intimidating. Um, I read The Stand by Stephen King, the unabridged version this summer on my honeymoon. It was like 1500 pages. And I was like, I felt such this sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. when I was done. Mm -hmm. Um, I read A Little Life last year, which is probably my first book I read when I started my bookstagram account. That was my first bookstagram really? book. I think it's a lot of people's actually. like. <laughs> well, I read the book and then I decided to start a bookstagram soon thereafter, but it was like one of my first posts. Yeah. It's like if you're going to get wet, you might as well, might as well go swimming. Yeah. That's a great one to start with. <laughs> but that one I've always just heard like it's traumatic. It's very difficult. Yeah. And it is all those things, but it's also a great book in the sense that I felt personally affected mm-hmm. when I was done. And I think any book that that allows me to have interesting conversations with people is a great book, regardless of whether you really liked it or not. And right. that's one of those books. Yeah. There's so that book comes up so often on this podcast. Like sure. I would say at least a third of the episodes that that comes up. I think that's a sign of a good book, regardless of whether you ultimately yeah. like it or not. There's just so much in there to talk about. There's yeah. so many different parts of it. Um, we should probably just do it as a book on the show, but I don't know <laughs> if I can reread it. I don't, I just, I'm not, I don't know if I'm emotionally no, there. It's like, I did it. Okay. Right. Okay. Hanya, I read it. I cried. Like, can we, we had on? it. We're good. <laughs> Jude. Sorry for, yes. sorry. I'm so, sorry to this man. You'll have like a guest podcaster host that episode. Yeah, someone else can read it and I'll just chime in with what I remember. Yes. <laughs> uh, what about a book that you're embarrassed that you've still never read? There are so many books that I'm embarrassed that I haven't read. I it, This is going to sound terrible, but I have really not read like a majority of the classics. Oh, me too. I just, it, it was hard for me in school to read it. it. It was hard for me in college to read it. And while I have, it ends up, those end up being books that I just don't connect to. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Okay, favorite book from childhood? Uh, Where the Wild Things Are. It's mm. my jam. It's my favorite. That's um, Maurice Sendak. Yeah. So my favorite of his is In the Midnight Kitchen. Oh. With that little naked boy trying uh-huh. a glass of milk. I love milk. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> talk about backlist. Talk about, talk about problematic favorites. <laughs> naked boys running around. Um, oh, what's a book you would assign in high, to a high school student or to high school students if you were a teacher? This is an interesting one because, I mean, obviously, To Kill a Mockingbird is – it's still one that has stuck with me. Yeah. Speaking of classics, there are still a few that I love. To right. Kill a Mockingbird still sticks with me. Um, the Overstory by Richard Powers is such an awesome, excellent book That's about the one that just won the Pulitzer. Yeah, about trees. nature and trees and climate <laughs> change. Okay. But it's like an actually, it's a great book, and it's kind of like holding a short story format for okay. a big portion of it. So I feel like, as me as a high schooler, can be like, I can do short stories. <laughs> I can do a short story. Um, and I thought that They're There by Tommy Tommy Ugh. Orange is incredible. I love that book. It was like one of those books that I kind of avoided last year because I was like, it's intimidating and I don't know like if I'm going to enjoy it. And I loved it. Like that story is just not told. And I love reading books about people that you don't see traditionally represented or portrayed on TV or in literature. And I just loved it. I thought it was such an accessible book. Oh, and one more. Can I do one more? Yeah. Grocery 
I don't know that. It's this book called Grocery um, by Michael Ruhlman, and I read it a couple years ago, and it was literally one of those books that I bought. For, I've bought for every single member of my family, and it's this nonfiction book, and he goes through every aisle of the grocery store and oh talks about the history of that aisle, where mm-hmm. grocery stores came from, where our food comes from, and you. it sounds like it's going to be such a boring book, and it is fascinating, and it like dispels that all these myths amazing. about food. Grocery? Grocery. It's like the buying and selling of food in America, I think. It okay, is. I guess when I go to Book Soup to Park, I'm going to go it's get grocery. It's so good. I'm going to get that and the fast food one. These are Those are like my jam. <laughs> like I'm starving now. <laughs> I'm like so excited to go read and eat. Uh, <laughs> what's um, a favorite adaptation of a book to film or TV? Or um, one where you thought it was better than the Interesting. Book? So I, currently, I love The Watchmen on okay. HBO. That. I think that is such an interesting, cool reinterpretation of that graphic novel. Um, I thought The Leftovers was amazing. That's an adaptation? Yeah, of Tom Parada's book. It's so good. Um, obviously, The Lord of the Rings is one of my all-time favorites. Okay. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird is an incredible adaptation. Fight Club is a pretty mm. good adaptation of that book, if not better. Yeah. Those are all like very good movies yeah. and TV things. I have not watched The watched Watchmen yet but I'm going to. Oh, it's badass. I can't wait. Yeah. It's really I've been good. reading a lot, but now I'm going to be watching some TV. <laughs> um, okay. This is the last one. I stole it from the New York Times book, but by the book, if you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would it be? You're going to get me in trouble with this one, but I think probably the pocket constitution. Perfect. I won't ask any follow-up questions. It seems very <laughs> clear. Okay. You guys, next week, Jordan and I are going to be discussing Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion by Giet Tolentino. It's a collection of essays. It's all nonfiction. We are going to spoil the book in the sense that we're going to talk about the book, but it's nonfiction essays, so you really can't spoil it. Um, So if you haven't read it yet, don't worry, but you should check it out. It's a good book. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Yes, so fun. And we will see you guys in the stacks. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our guest, Jordan Moblo. Jordan will be back next week to help us discuss Gia Tolentino's essay collection, Trick Mirror. There will be no spoilers next week, but I highly suggest you check out the book. You can find everything we discussed on today's episode in the link in the show notes. Make sure to get your book recommendation read on air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, please follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, head to patreon.com slash The Stacks. Make sure you are subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.